Welcome to Google. Uh, I'm Madhav. I uh, work at Google and I run the Digital News Initiative, which is one of the sponsors of the Reuters Institute. Uh, and also, we are very happy to host Lucy in an esteemed panel. Uh, Lucy Kuhn is actually the first Google Digital News Senior Visiting <coughs> Research Fellow at the Reuters Institute. It's such a difficult title, I actually have to read it. Um, and she's got a long history of looking at culture change and technology and news. And I think she is very, very insightful. She combines the academic uh, rigor that they have at the Reuters Institute, but also with real practical understanding of news itself. Uh, I haven't, unfortunately, read the report yet. And that's actually why I'm here on my day off, because I want to hear about it. Uh, so what we will do is we will have Lucy talking about the report and then kick over to a, a panel of uh, esteemed people who will introduce themselves when they come up. Um, I, and then after that, we'll have some drinks. So I'm going to stop talking now so smart people can start talking, and then we'll be one step closer to the drinks as well. Thank you very much for being here. Thank, first of all, thank you, Madhav. Thank you for that introduction, and thank you for coming in on your day off. <laughs> I think that's really Sorry, I can't make the tech work. Yeah, thank you all for coming. And many of you in this room have actually spoken to me at great length for this report. I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I know at first hand how busy you are. I really feel how busy you are. So it's, it was very, very generous of you to share your insights. OK, yes. So um, going digital, a roadmap for organizational transformation. Organizational <laughs> is actually the operative word here. Um, I'm completely aware that out the massive volume of disruptive changes that are taking place in the media at the moment, those happening to organizations are probably the least interesting to most of you. Frankly, that's not what you entered the industry for. Um, but nonetheless, through at least 15 years of deep research <laughs> inside the industry, um, I have become convinced that the real challenge actually lies in transforming the organizations. I think there is actually no risk that the established media industry will master the content transformation. That's, that's why people join the industry. There is huge commitment. There are, goodness knows, incredibly powerful brands, um, huge amounts of expertise. So I think that piece of the transformation is likely to happen. But I feel that underlying that, there's an equivalent transformation in terms of the basic organization. And I think there, there's a risk that the classic media are outperformed simply organizationally by their new digital disruptors, and that is unnecessary. So what I've tried to do with this report is really dig down into what is best practice in terms of transforming the organizations to make them more competitive. Working on the premise, they will get the content piece and master the content piece. So basic premise here, the core challenge is actually organizational. There's a content challenge that's going to happen that's going to be great. But my argument is that as much emphasis needs to be put on transforming the internal organization as internal as transforming the product. I looked in depth at a small group of companies. Looking in depth meant for each of them I wrote a complete case study before I went into the companies and started to research so I knew exactly what I was looking for and I could check the theses I was researching on. These were the core companies. I went incredibly deeply. and so and people were incredibly generous with their time. But on top of that, I talked to another group of organizations where there were really particular issues they were pulling off exceptionally well. And so I carried out quite a lot of interviews in the second group of organizations as well. In terms of what's in the report, as I said, this is this deals with kind of organizational issues. I know for many of you, not your core interest. But just to give you an overview of what's in it, 
essentially I'm focusing on 10 core areas and this is actually unlike anything I've written before in that it's designed to be, it's written for industry not for academia. There are no footnotes in it, there are no references. 10 short standalone chapters that end with bullet points pulling out the key learnings. You can focus just on the single chapter that interests you, you don't need to read the whole thing. The chapters in there, I kick off by looking at the environment and I look particularly at the influence, the impact of the platforms and the influence of Silicon Valley thinking and how we're running our organizations and looking at what bits of the Silicon Valley management philosophy approach to running organizations are worth absorbing and maybe there's some that we have adopted wholesale that actually aren't that useful. In terms of strategy, this is really kind of the big issue, I think, at the moment. I mean, in general, we're at the end of the digital beginning. We're out of this really high-velocity, high-change period. And what has happened in the last 15 years is that, in general, proper, long-term, tough strategic thinking about what, does, what do we want our end game to be, where do we want to be in 10 years, has been hijacked by kind of re a series of really important but short-term innovation projects. And I think strategy needs to get more strategic again. And that chapter looks at the building blocks of a more long-term strategy. Third chapter deals with this thorny issue of business model. It's been difficult since the beginning and it's only going to get worse. Fourth looks at innovation and particularly this issue of the shiny, young, shiny new things that have been hijacking strategic thinking in so many cases. I then, in the middle of the report, start looking at the big story in the media in the last 10 years, which has been the ascendancy of technology inside the media industry and inside media organizations. This chapter looks particularly at best practice in terms of this new field of product that has become so central but is often quite poorly understood, not by the people doing it but by the rest of the organization and how that links into data. And then in the next chapter, I look at how that is playing out in terms of actually the core role of journalism and how, that, how, how um, product data and social media are changing digital journalism and the role of the journalist. I then, when I talk to people in advance, there were two issues on their wish list, both correlating with big pain points. One was they wanted to be more agile and they wanted to deal with cultural blocks. So this chapter looks particularly at the building blocks of agility. I then the biggest surprise for me in this research was how much time I spent and how central the issue of people, people processes and HR was. I really did not expect that. I know that HR is a subject that makes most people's eyes roll and lips curl. It's probably the most boring subject and people tie it up with comps and benefits and all that kind of issue. But it's really, really central and it's very, very striking how differently HR is handled in the digital economy, the new digital pure plays the emphasis that's put on hiring the right people, keeping the right people, building the culture they want, keeping continuous learning going in comparison to more established legacy organizations. I hit the, chap the issue of culture in the second to last chapter and finally I look at how leadership can pull all these things together. And what I want to do now in the sort of 14 or odd minutes le left over is just look at a number of those issues. So firstly, strategy, what this kind of more rigorous approach to strategy could look like. Um, integration of product and data, where that's happening and what that means for journalism. The building blocks of agility and culture. So if we come to this issue of strategy, one of the really clear findings is that 
everyone is still doing long-term strategy. It's the basis of planning. It's the basis of budgeting. It's important, but in reality, it's getting hijacked um, by emergencies, by new developments, by projects. And this is really, really dangerous, actually. The, the, the competitors, the really powerful competitors, the digital pure plays, the platforms, are very well articulated, clear, long-term strategies based on old-fashioned strategic principles about um, creating barriers, creating barriers to entry, uh, locking, in lock locking in audiences, uh, and so on and so forth. And I think this is an unnecessary vulnerability that legacy media have taken on. So what, do, what, what are the building blocks of a really more rigorous, more powerful approach to strategy? Well, clearly, an organization's strategy is, is very context-driven. It depends on ownership, it depends on funding, it depends on national market characteristics. But there are four common blocks in stronger organizations' approaches to strategy. And I think it's really important to kind of disentangle these. So the four building blocks common in stronger players are, firstly, a very, very clear sense of the long-term strategic goals. It's not really surprising. Um, this is essentially often the core journalistic mission translated into the digital context. But what that, that actually plays out as being really essentially in Clayton's and Christiansen terms, the job to be done. So that's very, very clear. That's the kind of top level. The other really clear bit, clear bit is the bit at the bottom, which is the revenue model. How is this going to be financed? Now, where the kind of really strong players start to pull apart is that these become a framework, almost a cage, within which all of the shiny new things are reviewed. So this becomes the basis on which we decide what areas are we going to go into, which areas we're we not going to go into or not going to go into unless a third party finances them. And also it becomes a kind of means of screening out perhaps the bits of the organization that have passed their time that perhaps one needs to exit from. And kind of discipline and exits is another element I talk about in the report. And then behind that, the fourth element of the strategy is this central nervous system of technology and data that, that strong players are investing massively in and integrating it into. It's what really enables a strategy to lift and revenues to be gathered. So what we have here is the top level is where the um, journalistic mission, that's where value is created. The bottom level, it's the toughest, the nastiest challenge, that's where value is extracted. And in the middle, very, very rigorous processes. So that's really the kind of core of the kind of strategy model. And in a while, I'm just, we're going to keep that orange box in your head because we're going to look at what's happening in that in a bit more depth. This issue of agility, we've all heard the word pivot ad nauseam, the pivot to video. And pivot is 100% an import from Silicon Valley software-based younger organizations, very focused, who are built to pivot. That's in their DNA. Pivoting is really very hard if you're a legacy organization, especially if you've got perhaps 100 years heritage. And I think a pivot is a stretch. But it is very clear that given significant events in the environment, significant pushes, either opportunities that need to be seized or, or <coughs> challenges that need to be avoided, it is possible to execute a really sharp right turn. What's clear, the organizations that are doing that tend to have three pieces in place in the beginning. Essentially, very, very clear leadership signaling, a very, very clear message on channels that exist and that are strong, explaining this is what we've got to do. And that needs to be embedded in an existing leadership message, an existing understanding of what this organization is trying to do. 
The second is a kind of cultural acceptance that shifts to something we do. And it was very interesting talking to Vox, for example. They actually recruit. One of the things they're looking for when they recruit is, is, is this person, as well as you know, having great tech abilities or great journalism abilities or great digital storytelling abilities, is this the kind of person that would not be seriously discomforted by being told after three months of focusing on this, you're now focusing on something completely different, not being wrong-footed on that. And the last element is a, is kind of, sounds like a contradiction, permanent flexible structures in the organization. So what you're seeing is they still have their silos and their departments, but they have a really well-rehearsed um, and practiced habit of multidisciplinary teams. And indeed, it looks like I was two weeks ago in with some venture capitalists looking there, they're also making very heavy use of multidisciplinary teams. It seems those are becoming the default building block in the digital economy of organizations. Um, but on top of that, a history of running strategic projects, pulling people from key areas, putting them together on, on temporary strategic projects, pulling them off again when that's either launched, when there's a go or no-go decision. And of course, that is a brilliant way of developing the next generation, the next pipeline of leaders, and spreading learning around the organization. Now, moving into the sort of middle of that diagram, the kind of orange block, um, the bit, any of you who saw my previous book, Innovators in Digital News, one of the big findings in that was that journalism, tech, and commerce are blending. And with this project, I really wanted to find out how that's happening. And it seems there are really four incursion points where technology is really going into the kind of bones of the newsroom. And these are constellated differently in every organization because they're all, they're all kind of relatively new areas. But essentially, the first one is product. And a lot of this report, product crops up a lot. It's, it's one of the big themes. And it is noticeable that in stronger organizations, product is taken incredibly seriously. It's, it's located, the person running it is Part, often part of the leadership coalition, but on top of that, it is understood in the rest of the organization. You know, in some organizations, I spoke to, you know, yeah, we have a new product person, they gave a talk, I hadn't got a clue what they were going on about. And others, everyone within the organization really understands what's going on. So product is clearly now the vehicle by which these digital this digital story, digital journalism, finds its markets, makes its way out into the world. So it's absolutely vital. The other... Three areas that are all very interlinked into a kind of ecosystem are digital storytelling. Clearly, that's where one would expect digital technologies and journalism to meet, but also data. And increasingly, in these companies, these strong companies, just like we see in BuzzFeed or Netflix, there's a kind of pulsating engine of data capture and analysis at the heart of the organization and social media. Now, what these three work together. The way the um, kind of commercial piece comes in, and Rene, this was a lot from talking to you, this sort of came out, is essentially these work together in terms of digital storytelling also deepens engagement with, with readers, with audiences. Data is a way of making sure the right audiences get to the right stories, and social media does a lot, but it's also very important to get the right stories in front of the right people. Now, coming out of that is a really interesting change in the role of the journalist. Um, and in some cases, not across the board, but we are seeing a number of kind of star journalists pull away from the pack based on that kind of constellation of technology and commerce in the newsroom. <coughs> and 
In order to understand this, it's worth looking at people like Sarah Clift at Vox or David Farentold at the Washington Post or um, Brian Stelter at CNN. And essentially, what you have there is you have journalists, these very strong journalists with a lot of gravity already, who are given autonomy to develop ownership of a particular field. And it can be quite a geeky field, like, for example, Sarah Clift. And that, that ownership, that depth, is, is enhanced and strengthened and reinforced through, uh, through all these new activities that are now being added on to media news organizations. So clearly the Twitter feed, podcasts, very conversational newsletter, events. Through this, they kind of get a much more intense relationship with the people that are interested in their content. And they move from being simply readers or viewers to being actually people or friends. And Vox are reporting to me how people like Sarah Cliff or Ezra Klein are beginning to get invitations to people's weddings. You know, they're really viewed as, as part of their personal life. And clearly, this is actually monetizable. This is, this is a way of building loyalty, building engagement, and ensuring that these people and you know, building the kind of loyalty to ensure they will perhaps hopefully subscribe and stay subscribed. Okay, last big slide deals with culture. Um, there's quite a lot in the report about cultural obstacles and it kind of falls into two areas. The one I want to look at now deals with this tension or potential tension or putative tension or expected tension between journalism and technology. Clearly, as tech and journalism are blending, are coming together, you've got two different professional cultures coming together. And especially what one's seeing is more and more of tech staff being embedded in the newsroom. It can be, for example, the FT having the, the, you know, the data team in the newsroom. It could be like the Washington Post, where you have people on the desks sharing in. So, and if we look at, first of all, the differences between these cultures, clearly most journalists have, have a background in liberal arts. Um, tech have an engineering background, pure science background. Journalists are into serving audiences. They're into using their expertise to explain the world to their audiences. Tech, tech industry software tends to be a little bit more basic, and what really drives them often is an equivalent need to kind of design the most perfect user experience. But this kind of philosophical, educational dimension is often not there. Journalism is, as an industry, risk-averse, not as individuals. Not, clearly there are war correspondents and investigative journalists, but this is an industry that has grown up with a technical basis that meant you had to get things as perfect as possible before you press the button because you couldn't pull it back. So that, that's kind of baked into the culture. Things have to be correct. And if you look at people that come from a kind of tech background, that is a background based around developing a hypothesis, testing it, iterating it. So coming at it from different places. But there is actually very significant overlap also in these areas. Both prize clarity of thought, clarity of language. From, from the tech side, you could be talking about a really elegant line of code, but for a journalist, it's a beautifully articulated thought, a fantastic line, a fantastic picture, a fantastic data graphic. Um, both are actually craft professions in a way. Tremendous dedication to perfecting what they're trying to do. Both function actually <coughs> on intrinsic motivation. These are both workforces that are highly intrinsically motivated, which is a fantastic lever point for, for shifting cultures. 
And interesting, the one area I think that's really profoundly different between the areas is actually this area of societal responsibility. <coughs> Journalism has traditionally, and this is why they are regulated, had had a, they have a role, they have a societal responsibility, they have a role in terms of protecting vulnerable va values, uh, furthering democracy, protecting, protecting minors, and so on. This is, that is why they're regulated. They're incredibly influential in that respect. And what we can see is that as the tech industry is being dragged into the media world, or moving, motoring into the media world, actually, more accurately, this is, this is a very alien concept for them, and this is something they're struggling to take on board. Pulling it together, um, these are the four points that really hit me from writing this. As I said, each chapter on each of these subjects has three or four bullet points with the key learnings. Um, essentially, the first one, everyone has been innovating like crazy. Innovation is absolutely critical, but innovation is not strategy. And it's really important that innovation is not viewed as a proxy for strategy. There needs to be a kind of, um, it's very, very dangerous to abandon really proper long-term strategy at the moment, I think. And actually, one thing that is, I think, very interesting and potentially useful to import from, from Silicon Valley, the venture capital world, is this kind of five to seven year window they have. This concept, this discipline of trying to make an organization viable, sustainable, really attractive within seven years. And I think in the velocity of the environments we're in, that's probably about as long as you can go, but I think there's, that's quite an interesting conceptual thought. Secondly, digital storytelling can be wondrous. It's really, really fun to be engaged with. Data is very, very seductive and also very compelling to get involved in. But transforming organizations is a grind and often thankless. And it was very clear to me a lot of the very impressive people I spoke to are worn out. You know, this is a really thankless task. And I think there is a kind of, and I think we need to be aware of that. I think there is a burnout issue. This could put a lot of these transformations in peril. Um, and this brings me back to the most surprising thing. I never, ever thought I would be putting this bullet up. But HR is really, really, really important. And this is where I think legacy media are leaving the biggest potential for fast performance <coughs> improvement, fast leverage on the table. And what's interesting is I'm not talking about really expensive initiatives. A lot of the things that work are really, really low-touch, low-tech. The three areas that are very, very important are firstly hiring, making sure you have absolutely the best people, and that those people work in the teams you're putting together. It's not just the skills, it's their ability. This is a very, very collaborative world we're approaching now. Um, keeping the people you've got, keeping the high potential, making sure having gone to the because the effort of getting them, they stay. Um, second one is being in a sensible, nuanced, clever way, much more proactive with strategy, really culture, really trying to design the culture you want. Culture, if you get it right and you kind of harness it correctly and intelligently to the goals, can really be a kind of motor. And the third one is learning, actually. I mean, all of the a lot of the stronger organizations I talked to are doing huge amounts of low-tech learning. And I'm not talking about sending people to Harvard or Stanford or trips to Silicon Valley. These are very porous boundaries, permanent programs of people coming in and talking, going out to talking to companies they're interested in, maximizing all kinds of learning opportunities. And interestingly, a lot of elements like reverse mentoring, getting smart people to the bottom of the organization, briefing the people at the top, 
so that they can make better decisions too. And there's a lot of kind of pretty hands-on advice on that in this report. And the final point is, I'm sure when you've listened to me, a lot of you have said, yeah, well, we're doing all of this. We have a data team. We have a digital storytelling team. They're winning awards. You know, there's nothing very new here. Um, I mean, to quote Nietzsche, God is really in the details here. It's not just that you're doing data, you're doing digital storytelling, you, you recruit well. It's, it's the caliber of execution. It's not just having a data team. It's having the great and the smartest data team, but also critically, the extent to which these elements are joined up, the fact, the extent to which each of these teams know what the other ones should be doing as well. Because taken together, I think all of these elements can really put together a very powerful organization and provide a kind of you know, path to the future. That's it from me. Thank you very much.